When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Cenex, we're locally owned and operated, so your community is our community. That's why your Cenex goes far beyond the store. We fuel community connections by supporting local festivals, restoring town monuments, and renovating baseball fields. Now in its fourth year, we'll have contributed more than $400,000 to Cenex communities through our hometown pride initiative. Because community connections make the places we live so special. Cenex, powered locally. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan And we are coming to you on a glorious Sunday evening, y'all. And you know why? It happened, Brendan. It's finally happened. They did it. Finally. Shoot off your confetti, your fireworks, whatever you have handy. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Cubs have won a road series for the first time since May 19th. Hooray! Three months. Three months to the day, Corey. Unbelievable. What, you will always remember where you were when the 2019 Cubs won a series on the road for the first time since that trip to Washington. What a momentous occasion. Uh, but jokes aside... It was a pretty good series, I guess, for the Cubs. We probably will not spend yeah, much time so. talking about Friday's game. To be honest with you, I wish I hadn't lived through that. And so I think we're just going to spare each other of talking through that loss again. One of just the dumbest ways to lose a baseball game. I, I can remember, uh, and especially following the Bryce Harper walk-off Grand Slam in Philly, it just a back-to-back couple days that we can just pretend never happened and, and move move forward here with a couple of Cubs wins as they take the final two games from the Pittsburgh Pirates, the finale of which coming on Sunday Night Baseball from Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the home of the Little League World Series, where the Cubs and Pirates took part in the Little League Classic for 2019 and the Cubs the victors in said classic. So we will talk about those two games. Again, the series included a third game on Friday uh, in which the Pirates walked it off, but that might be the last I mentioned that game uh, as I try to burn that from my memory. It's been giving me nightmares, Brendan. I haven't been sleeping for the last couple days because of that game on Friday. But yeah. a lot to talk about because we have those those games. We have a lot going on with the players individually. We have perhaps one of the biggest roster moves we have seen from this team all year in which they send Albert Almora to AAA on Friday. They recall Addison Russell in his place. We've got Wilson Contreras trying to work his way back from his injury. We have Ben Zobrist continuing on his rehab stint. We have Daniel Descalso out on a rehab stint and hitting home runs, no less. So we will touch on all of that. As you saw on Sunday night, the Cubs closer, Craig Kimbrell, is back with the team. He pitches in the game on Sunday night. So a lot going on, and the Cubs win the series here. They finish this road trip, and they have an off day on Monday and are headed back home. So hopefully the Cubs can ride this uh, road series victory into more success at home, and we can start to 
create some distance in this division. As we record this podcast, the Cubs and Cardinals still tied atop the NL Central, so that is where we will find ourselves when the Cubs wake up on Monday morning. Just a quick recap here. Uh, the final score on Friday was 3-2 to two Pirates. Moving on to Saturday, it was 2 to nothing Cubs, and this was behind number 34, Yaboy, as his jersey for the Little League Classic, and I believe Players Weekend coming up will say the left left-hander John Lester picks up his 10th win of the season. He goes six innings, four hits, no earned, five walks, and three strikeouts. John was not at his best in terms of command, but he was at his best in terms of pitching out of trouble. A few jams in this game, and John, like we have seen him do time after time, digs down and does what he needs to do. I think that, you know, you can feel if you're a pitcher that your offense is struggling a little bit to to put up consistent run production and I think John knew he had to be near perfect and he was able to do that for six innings keep them off the board Tyler Chatwood with a very strong two innings to follow and Rowan Wick picks up his first save of the season so really nice work from Chatwood and Wick and a really nice job by John Lester he throws 103 pitches in those six innings and again he uh, walked the tightrope in this one but that is something that we've seen from him. Uh, he, he is not one to fold under pressure. So some big moments in this game against his Pirates lineup, and John was able to work out of it time and time again, keep the Cubs offense in the game, and they would luckily do just enough to win this one, and they do win this one in the top of the seventh. Uh, again, Brendan, I, I, I got to get my eyes checked, or I, I, I got to look through this, because this appears to be another clutch home run from one Chris Bryant. Can you believe it, Corey? I was told those were never a thing. But but here here we we are, another another one, one, Brendan. And this is a game-winning home run on the road. A game-winning one, yes. In the seventh inning, uh, the Cubs adding one in the top of the eighth on a throwing error by the Pirates catcher Elias Diaz. And two to nothing is your final on Sunday, again on Sunday Night Baseball, the Little League Classic for 2019, the Cubs winning 7-1 to behind the arm of Jose Quintana, who will be our first topic, mm-hmm. I believe, when I, I finish yeah. up with this quick recap here. Uh, seven innings, five hits, no earned runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Have some more fun Jose Quintana stats for you, but I'll save them for when we're... Lots of good stuff Yeah, there, for yeah. when we're really breaking him down. Derek Holland, Craig Kimbrell, and Pedro Strope follow to finish this game off. Craig Kimbrell taken deep by Starling Marte on the first pitch he throws back from the injured list, but he did recover to get two strikeouts in the inning. Looked pretty good uh, in this one. Obviously, he did not go out for a rehab stint, so the Cubs just getting him out there, letting him work through some stuff, uh, and, I, and I thought he looked good. The breaking stuff still continues to look really nasty. Got some nice whiffs on those pitches. So we will see as he continues to work his way back from that injury. 7-1, to one, again, the final. The Cubs getting their runs. Nick Castellanos with his sixth home run as a Chicago Cub in the first inning. Jason Hayward with his 18th in the third inning. Kyle Schwarber with a two-RBI single in the fourth. Chris Bryant with an RBI double in the fifth. And Anthony Rizzo would follow with his 23rd homer of the year off of the scoreboard in the stadium here in Williamsport. Again, Marte homers in the bottom of the ninth, but that would be all that she wrote. Brendan, the Cubs winning 7-1. to one. Jose Quintana's 11th win of the season. So we will talk more about him in a second. I, since we're talking about this game, though, I do just want to take a second, Brendan, to talk about some of the stuff that went on in this game. Obviously, they're playing at the home of the Little League World Series here. A lot of the Cubs and Pirates attended some of the Little League World Series games that were going on in the adjacent fields in Williamsport, and just some really cool moments. We saw a lot of the Cubs, Anthony Rizzo, Joe Madden, etc., going down one of the hills in Williamsport on like cardboard boxes, just sledding to the bottom of the hills, letting their inner child get out a little bit. Anthony Rizzo was mic'd up throughout the day, throughout the game. Some really amazing quotes from him after he hit the home run. He's on first base with Starling Marte and talking to him about how that was the hardest hit ball he's had of the entire season. 
Uh, excuse me. Uh, I'm sure Marte loved to hear yeah, that. Yeah, sorry. Too. That was probably Josh Bell. Starling Marte is not uh, their first baseman. But nobody cares about cares? the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? This is yeah, Pirates no semantics that nobody cares about. Somebody for the Pirates was at yeah. first, and that's what Rizzo said. Uh, but the best part, and I mm-hmm. tweeted this out from, from my Twitter, Brendan, was uh, after Javi got a base hit late in the game, Rizzo walked up to him after the inning, and he, and he goes, that was a nice knock, man. And, and Javi grabs Rizzo's jersey because he knows the microphone is in there. And he just screams, you guys hear that? It was a knock. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Incredible. Love it. it was uh, a good day yeah. for content if you were looking Great for, for this type day. of stuff. I, I, you know, I'm sure he would object to it, but I would not be opposed to Anthony Rizzo being mic'd up for all yeah, of these I, I agree. At least once a week. Just him or Javi or, you know what, even like Chris Bryant. There were some good Chris Bryant quotes from him sliding down the hill as well. So, you know, one of those three can, can do it. Yeah, I, I do wonder if we had KB mic'd up, it would be interesting to see how many times he says, oh, gosh, in the middle of or the game. Darn, or right. darn. Or darn. Darn. Yeah. We can, we can darn. A, what are you Chris swinging Bryant at, Chris? Bingo day of how many uh, supers or, or darns he has. Right. Right. So, yeah, you'd, you'd get decidedly different content depending on, on who you uh, mic'd up. Obviously, if you mic'd up John on a day like Saturday where it he might, wasn't— You need to get the, uh, the beep button going yeah, with, with John he, there. Yeah, he was yeah. not particularly in agreement with the home plate umpire that day. I got to tell you, Brendan, that gif that, that <laughs> Cubs yeah, tweeted that out great. with John snarling at the umpire, that's got to be top five maybe in the history of baseball gifts. What's Incredible. your number one? Not to put you on the spot here, but what's your number one? For for me, it's the one at Dodger Stadium, right, where he's, like, kind of staring down. I believe it was Jock Peterson who tried yeah. to bunt on Lester. That, for me, is number one. Are, are you talking just John Lester gifts or Just all John gifts? Lester gifts, yeah, just John Lester. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that that Dodger Stadium one was number one. It really might be this one. This is a really good gift, and I think really? it wow. encapsulates— you, You've asked me before kind of like where that started with my love for John Lester, and that was really part of it, where he would get so demonstrably pissed off at the umpire, but not in like a, a Jake John Lackey, right. I'm going right. to scream at you and, and get all red-faced kind of, but more in like a, I'm going to do it like just to the line of being acceptable, but you're going to know that I'm pissed off. And I right. just love it. Yeah. So that yeah. gift was great. Uh, I tweeted it. I'm, I'm sure it's all over the place if you haven't seen it. Uh, but I'm I'm also sure I'm going to be using it quite frequently, so so you'll see it again. But Joe Madden also throwing the first pitch out at the Little League World Series. He Four had to do pitches, it three if you want times. Yeah, yeah Joe, times. Uh, you know, you got, you got to work on that. Though good arm action, I will say, on Joe Madden. Yeah, he threw BP for like, what, 20 years yeah. before becoming a manager? So he has great arm action. I was actually impressed by it, Corey. Yeah, so it, it was good stuff. It was a really good night for content, which is weird because it was on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball with their just atrocious commentary crew. I mean, A-Rod continually just says stuff that's out of control. I mean, I, I can't believe what I'm listening to, but he said, hold on, before we go there, I, I'm going to forget this, but he said, Q pitches backwards with his changeup, Corey. Quintana throws a changeup once every 10 pitches. Right. What in the world were they talking about yeah, there? It was I, I a don't pet know. peeve of mine. But a, a, and that's, that certainly wasn't even the most egregious thing that he was talking about. For me, it was. Uh, I was like offended by that just miss just miscalculation. I don't know what that was. Yeah, very strange. But I, I think that maybe perhaps one of the, the best quotes from Rizzo that, I, that I'm now remembering as we're talking through this was after I, I think Castellanos hit the home run in, in the first inning, he comes over to Rizzo in, in, as he's in the on-deck circle, and Rizzo says, hey, I got a serious question for you. Is this the first time you've been on Sunday Night Baseball? And Castellanos, <laughs> like, kind of going along with it, is like, yeah, like, probably in, like, two years. But that was a nice oh, little, uh, like, hey, bro, like, you've been playing for the Detroit Tigers, uh, and now you're with the Chicago Cubs, like, the, the media darling, if you will. Welcome so, to the spotlight. Right, exactly. So really good stuff. Uh, there was some, I think, full videos of Rizzo's mic'd up. Ness, if if you're looking for that, I think on the MLB and, and Cubs official Twitters. So be sure to check that out, as it was really good stuff throughout the whole night. But Brendan, I, I do want to move now after we we've had our fun, right? We can get into the analytical discussion here. Uh, I want to talk about Jose Quintana because Please, this let's, is let's one of those this. things where we we break down when when guys are doing well. We go through splits and and things like that all the time. 
But I think that when Q is in a run like this, it's, it's especially important to do this because Q is one of those guys who the perception of him is really negative uh, amongst a lot of Cubs fans and a lot of people, I think, in the media, uh, just that he, because of the trade that he was a part of, really through no fault of his own, but I think he just falls under such high scrutiny because of the names who he was traded for uh, in Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease. So I I like to point this out because I I think that especially in this run right now, it really can't be understated just how good Jose Quintana has pitched. In his last four starts, he has thrown 26 innings for the Chicago Cubs, allowed just 19 hits, one walk. Brendan, 33 strikeouts, good for a 1.38 ERA, a 33-1 K to walk ratio. That is mm. the real number right now. And it, th- this is from uh, our, you know, friend of the podcast, Christopher Kamka, the, the stats guy from NBC Chicago. And he also tweeted out, you Darvish didn't pitch in this series, but I do think this is a fun thing to read. Uh, since June 29th through Sunday night, so including Jose's game on Sunday night, Jose Quintana has 57 strikeouts to just seven walks. You Darvish has 63 strikeouts to two walks, mm. a total of a 120 to 9 K to walk ratio for those two. Those are brilliant. That will do, Corey. Yes. And with his outing on Sunday, Jose Quintana again picks up his 11th win, lowers his season ERA to 3.91. And he is on a really nice run here, Brendan. And again, this is coming off of his game on Sunday night is coming off his career high, 14 strikeouts in that game against the Phillies that the Cubs were not able to win, but that doesn't take away from how good Jose was in that game. And if you go back, I I read that number from Christopher Kamka about June 29th. On June 29th, Jose Quintana pitched six innings of shutout baseball, four walk or four strikeouts, no walks against the Cincinnati Reds. And since that date, he has had just one start where he gave up more than three runs. July 4th against the Pirates, seven innings, three runs. July 14th against the Pirates again, six innings, three runs. The only one he gave up more than three runs was that game against San Diego where he went five and gave up five earned. Then after that against Milwaukee on August 2nd, six innings, two earned. August 7th against Oakland, seven innings, one earned. August 13th, that last one against the Phillies, six innings, one earned. And then again tonight against the Pirates, seven innings, zero earned. Brendan, this is the pitcher that the Chicago Cubs traded for. And you and I have been very open about the fact that you can lament not having Cease and Jimenez, but Jose Quintana was vital to this team winning the division and beating the Washington Nationals in the 27 season, and I and I don't think they win that series with Washington. They may not even win that division without Jose Quintana, and he has been a, a, a really valuable piece for this team, but I don't know that we have seen him pitch like this for such a sustained period, and it's rather exciting, Brendan. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. What's best about Q's performance is that it's coinciding with like a change that he and Hadevi have been talking about. At least I think they've been talking about. Sahadev uh, Sharma of The Athletic recently wrote about Kyle Hendricks throwing up sinkers, so like on the top portion of the strike zone, which is counterintuitive because for sinker pitchers, you want them to throw at the knees to get ground balls, right? So to have sinkers up, you automatically think, hey, that's a mispitch. But Hendricks, over the last two months, 
has been increasingly using sinkers up in the zone to his success. Q is doing the exact same thing. So in the last two months, Corey, and this this data is scaled with one being the very top of the strike zone and negative one being the very bottom of the strike zone. So just to give you perspective, in April of this year, Jose Quintana was throwing sinkers at negative 0.67, which again, visualize this. This is kind of right by the knees, okay? Exactly where you want sinkers to be thrown. In July and August of this year, though, it's been steadily increasing. Now it's positive 0.1 and almost positive 0.2. That is a huge difference. And what's happened is Q has tripled his whiff rate on sinkers. And that's why you're seeing that K per nine around nine, Corey. And you're seeing a lot of the numbers start to look different. And you're seeing Clint Hurdle, who said exactly that Q looked like a different pitcher. So this this success is not random. He's always been good, yes, and and you know a little bit above league average. But when you see these these dramatic changes, it gives me more confidence that this type of success could be consistent going forward. Not until you know the league starts to adjust to him. But to see Q go out there and shove and do that because he's changing the way he's attacking pitchers, it kind of opens up my eyes and it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a real thing. And at least in my mind, I've never, Corey, I've never put Q in my top four pitchers. He's always been in my mind the fifth pitcher. But if he keeps doing this, if he keeps attacking the upper portion of the strike zone with this sinker, maybe it does start to change and maybe Q does you know, as we get closer to September and October in the Cubs, if they are lucky to get into the playoffs, maybe he will deserve that playoff rotation spot. And again, it all goes back to that sinker up in the zone. He's getting more whiffs. The curveball is playing off of that. And he looks, Corey, like a completely different pitcher as a result. Yeah. And I think that this is a good example of what I kept railing about with this rotation all off season and, and really for the majority of the season, that it doesn't matter who is the top dog at any given time as long as one or two of these guys are going strong at the right time. And I think now you're looking at why that's so important and why I was so bullish on the depth of this rotation and and if you were even like you just said Brendan you know I think typically we probably would look at Quintana as maybe the five maybe even coming into the year you might have been looking at Darvish as the five just because you weren't really sure how it was going to go after the 2018 season but it's ebbed and flowed all year and these guys just pick one another up and I think that's so important that this rotation isn't relying on one person to be the ace or the whole thing falls apart Cole Hamels gets hurt he comes back Back from injury, he's getting knocked all over the ballpark. Jose Quintana steps up. He's in the middle of a, 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 a phenomenal run right now. You Darvish steps up. Kyle Hendricks was, you know, really good in the series against the Pirates, but wasn't so good the start before. These guys step up, right? John goes through his struggles. He comes back and is strong. And when he's struggling, these other guys pick him up. And I think that's so important right. for this rotation that we can look at right now and focus on how good Jose Quintana is doing. And we don't necessarily have to be like, oh my God, the sky is falling because Cole Hamels isn't good. Like, no, it's fine. He'll get right. He's got the time to figure it out. And these other guys are going to pick him up. And I think we're really seeing that with what Jose Quintana is doing right now. And just to what you were talking about, about how exciting it is to see somebody getting results when they're actively changing things and and trying to make those adjustments. I, I wanted to read these quotes and with the strongest preference that I can offer that Clint Hurdle is a scumbag, uh, I do want to read these quotes from Clint Hurdle. And I, th- I think the, f- the fact that you know that Clint Hurdle, not a friend of the Cubs-related podcast, very decidedly not. The very biggest enemy yes, of the podcast. Yes, not a perhaps. friend of the podcast. I no, can't make that be. any clearer. He's on the list. He's barred. We've got his picture up in the doorway, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase that. He's not allowed. But... I think that goes to show why I think these quotes are so interesting and worth reading. And he said, quote, tonight he was a different cat, end quote, on Quintana. He goes on to say, quote, it's the best we've seen him, end quote. And Mm. this is paraphrasing from Jordan Bastian at ML Bastian. Juxtaposition, Jordan is a friend of the podcast. So Jordan— One of the best friends of the podcast. Yes, Jordan Bastian, friend of the podcast, 
yeah. Clint Hurdle, not a friend of the podcast. Enemy of the podcast, yes. yeah. Just so we're clear. And so Jordan goes on to paraphrase that Clint Hurdle continued about Q's pitches, and he said the changeup was especially good against his team tonight, said the finish on Q's pitches is much different than they have seen in the past from Quintana. And I wanted to read that because I think that's really interesting, right? Clint Hurdle has no reason to point that out or or say that he was good, right? He Jose Quintana was good against the Pirates back in July. He faced them. Like I said, he threw six innings, gave up three runs. So it's not as though this is the first time that Jose Quintana has had a successful outing against the Pirates that Clint Hurdle would need to gush about him, right? It's not necessary at all. So I thought it was interesting that even he would go out of his way to say, you know, that looked like a different guy. Those pitches looked different and for a guy that we've seen several times over the last few years here now that Jose Quintana has been in the NL Central for a few years it, it stood out to me that that Clint Hurdle would point that out and you know it goes along to what you're saying it, it matches the data and and the uh, visual evidence that we're seeing from Quintana that things in fact are different from for what he's doing yeah and I think too we were talking about the last episode about the Cubs using data and bringing the best out of their guys and over the last at least three years we haven't really seen that too much in a disappointing way but I want to point out right now what Tommy Hadebe's done at least in the last few months has been exceptional Corey and we've talked about these coaches in a more of a negative light but in the last three months Tommy Hadebe has done the following one he's changed Rowan Wick's curveball grip he actually did that in spring training but we're seeing the results of it now to more of a spike curveball. Rowan Wick is now a high-leverage late-inning reliever for this team. I know the injuries are there, but that's who he is right now. The second thing he's done is what we just talked about with Hendricks throwing sinkers more elevated in the zone. We can do four things, actually. The third thing was getting you, Darvish, in a more comfortable position. And whatever he's been working with you, he's now still throwing a lot of sinkers, or rather sliders, but he's increased his sinker usage and he's increased his splitter usage. And then we're seeing it with Quintana. Now he's throwing more sinkers up in the zone. So when we talk about the Cubs like bringing the most out of their guys, and over the last few years with multiple pitching coaches, with Basio, with uh, who, who was the pitching coach last year, Corey? I'm forgetting it now. Jim Hickey. Jim Hickey. I don't know why I forgot about Jim Hickey. Uh, anyway. Why Jim would Hickey. you remember Jim Hickey? I know. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's you know brain fart. Anyway. They never brought, or they, you know, at least in the last two years, they never got their guys to that next level by changing their portfolio. It's always been consistent with these guys. This year, the last three months, very different. So, you know, congratulations to Tommy Hadavi. I wanted to point that out just because we were just talking about this. And it's fun to see these guys rapidly change their pitch strategy and instantly, Corey, instantly get the results that we want to see. And again, to have Q do this is a huge, a huge deal on the same level of what we're seeing you Darvish do now and having that instant success. If Q can continue to do this, he instantly becomes a guy who you can rely on in the playoffs or going down into a pennant race in September. It's a huge deal, Corey. And Hadevi is largely to give credit to because of that, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I've been, you know, obviously we're, we're still in the middle of the season here and it's always hard to judge exactly who's doing what and, and where we're supposed to be giving credit. But I, I've been very pleased with what we've seen from Tommy Hadovy. It, it's been obviously an interesting staff for him to work with from the starters to the relievers. So I think just what we're able to read in those kind of like deep pieces from the athletic and guys like Saad of Sharma and what we're able to just glean from watching all these games, I, I've been impressed with what what we've seen from him and I and I think I trust him to try and maximize a lot of these guys to be looking at the the best available data and and being aware and and current with these paradigms and where the game is going I think Tommy Hadovy is a good person to have with that Uh, I I do want to end our discussion on Jose Quintana I'm just going to throw this out there I'm not going to offer any commentary on it I just want to point out that right now Eloy Jimenez has a 101 WRC plus which means he's right around league average and a 775 OPS so you can do with that information what you will. I'm going to leave it there. I, I just think that, you know, sometimes the narrative gets a little out of control, Brendan, okay? So I'm just throwing <laughs> does, that out yeah. there. I read the numbers on Quintana. I read you the numbers on Eloy. You can do whatever you want with them, and I'm not going to mm-hmm. bring it up yep. again. 
So I, I do want to transition now to a different topic, and that is one of our captain, Anthony Rizzo. We've already talked about him a little bit, but that was more from a uh, viral content perspective. He is also a baseball player, uh, and a very important one at that, and he hit a very long homer off of the scoreboard in Williamsport. The we, No track man data, no stat cast data at uh, this particular stadium. Or I, at least, I feel lost because of that, too. Yeah, like, or at least it was season. available. Like, where, is, where is this? Right. None that was available for public consumption. I don't know if they figured out. I'm sure Theo and his boys figured out a way to get some metrics still on this stuff, but we didn't get them. So uh, a really nice swing, like we said earlier, Rizzo commenting to multiple people, uh, Chris Bryant and the Pirates first baseman, that it was his best swing of the year. It was a lovely swing. And he also homers on Thursday. And uh, as our blogging boss, uh, also a friend of the Cubs-related podcast, and I believe our most frequent guest, Evan Altman from CubsInsider.com. More like family of the podcast. Family of the podcast. He's like like the podcast dad. He is a podcast dad. If that makes sense. but he tweeted out that with the homer on Thursday in Philadelphia that he hit off of Drew Smiley and the homer that he hit on Sunday night, Rizzo hit as many homers in the last four days as he did from June 16th to August 14th. So wow. the latter <laughs> portion of that stat, not super fun, though he was hitting to make up for it, just not necessarily driving the ball out of the ballpark. But the former portion of that stat is exciting. Good to see him get that power stroke back. Good to see him feeling really good about those swings. Uh, Certainly looks like that power stroke has come back just from a visual perspective. And Anthony now at 23 home runs. So we find ourselves, we are recording this on August 18th. So I've mentioned this a million times. Rizzo has hit 32 home runs in a season three times, I believe, in 2014, 16, and 17. So he's got 10 home runs to set a career high, and he's got uh, about a month and a half to do it. So we'd have to go— Is he going to do it, Corey? What do you think here? Oh, man, I want him to so bad. It's it's so tough. It's so pointless. Like, I guess it's not pointless. Like, obviously, career highs are milestones, but it, like— in theory, doesn't make a difference if he hits 32 or 33, right? But I just want him to do it so bad. It's just such an odd thing that he's done that same number three he's, times. Uh, he's got about 150 plate appearances left. So to get 10 and 100, He's going to have to get hot. He's going to have to get hot. Yeah. If I were betting on this, I probably would bet against it. But you know what? He's been getting hot lately, so you just never know. I mean, what does he have? Two homers in four days here? If you just do the right. math like that, he'll get it easily. Yeah, I do. He just hits like two that, homers every four days. We're golden. Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Will Rizzo hit fifty with his pace? <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. I'm game yeah. for that too. But either way, good to see Anthony getting that power stroke back. And again, like he was hitting to make up for it. His numbers overall on the season are are still very good. But you know, for somebody like him, there's there's no way that he's happy not hitting home runs for that long. It's a part of his game. He's a slugging first baseman, and so I think good for everybody. Right, that 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 has uh, come back a little. bit bit here in, in, in Williamsport. And I, I guess it just in this trip to Pennsylvania, he, he's been uh, back with the power game and his overall numbers on the year, like I said, still very good. 23 homers now, 77 RBIs, a 283 batting average, 395 on base percentage, and a 510 slugging percentage. That's good yeah. for a 135 WRC plus. So still very good numbers, great production from Anthony Rizzo, but good to see him start bombing uh, the ball again. And this one in particular on Sunday night was an oppo shot, which is always fun. Right? Yeah. And just to add to those numbers, when he was going through that power outage, despite only hitting two home runs in that stretch, Corey, in the second half alone, before he hit these two home runs in Philadelphia and in this game on Sunday, so no home runs in the second half, he still had a 132 WRC+, plus, which is essentially his overall rate this year. So despite the power outage, so to speak, he does things that you want to see any type of hitter do. That's walk, that's hit doubles, that's have, that has a high batting average, and still produce despite not hitting the ball far. So if Rizzo can continue to put up those types of at-bats and then combine that with the power, maybe we see better numbers going forward. And also, too, I've seen some people on Twitter mention this, Rizzo as a leadoff guy. I'm growing to the idea, Corey. I'm not, I'm not going to lie here. I'm actually growing to the idea, especially if 
Wilson comes back with any type of power, I'm a little suspect on that given what we saw in 2017, but if Wilson comes back with some power, you have Castellanos' bat in there, you have Chris Bryant, you have Javi Baez, you have Ian Happ when he plays more consistently, Kyle Schwarber, you have so much power in the middle of the order that maybe Rizzo at leadoff does make more sense. I mean, the other alternatives right now, not good, right? Even Hayward, Hayward's been good recently, but his numbers at leadoff have not been the best this season. So maybe it's crazy to suggest going forward that Rizzo could be your leadoff guy on a daily basis, but just saying, I'm growing to the idea. I know it's crazy, but I am growing to the idea. It is it is really fascinating how he always seems to perform when he's put in the leadoff spot. He loves the, it. The homer against Philly wasn't a leadoff home run, but it was when he was leading off the game. And I think Pat Hughes said it was his 12th home run batting leadoff. Not like, you know, the leadoff the game, but just in that spot, which if you think about it, that is quite crazy. 12 is a lot, Corey. Yeah, and it's just, it is just sort of fascinating that he's able to perform that way. It's obviously such a change from being the cleanup hitter or the three hitter or wherever he happens to be in the order. And it's just really funny. As soon as the lineup comes out and he's in there, all of us on, on Cubs Twitter are like, oh, the greatest lead hitter of all time is back. And he He's owns back. it, too. You know he owns it. Yeah, and then he goes out and just does it. It's there, <laughs> There's definitely something to it. I think uh, Anthony gets a kick out of being in that spot. But yeah, just good to see the, the power coming back with Rizzo. And I think his overall production is, is, again, one of those examples of why we keep going back to the talent that this team has. And, and despite how frustrating some of these losses have been, particularly on the road, continuing to believe that if this group is hot at the right time and healthy and, and playing well, they can compete with anybody. And I it's confounding why it doesn't happened that way the entire year and why we've had these stretches over the last few years since the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 that we just can't figure out why they play so poorly. Uh, but when you see Rizzo's overall numbers and you see him start to get hot here with the with the long ball, that's why we keep railing on this team is really talented and it's just about getting it to come together. And at this point, when you're in a tight division race, it's about getting it to come together at the right time, which is about right now or maybe uh, over, the, over the next few weeks here as we yeah. head towards uh, the real stretch run of this season. But Brendan... With that in mind, I do want to take a look at some of the other stuff that has gone on. Because, again, an awful lot of movement, and we're heading towards September where the rosters expand anyway. But just a a lot going on with this team. So, in addition, like I mentioned uh, earlier, on Friday, you have Albert Almora sent down to AAA. You have Addison Russell recalled. You also had Brandon Kinsler activated, Craig Kimbrell activated and plays on Sunday, and you have Ben Zobrist continuing to work on his rehab assignment. Again, I said Daniel Descalso was now out on a rehab assignment himself. So lots of things going on. Wilson Contreras also working his way back. Uh, Theo Epstein said that he is beyond discomfort, which depending on whose tweet you read was a little concerning at first. Uh, yeah. because I, I first read that as like he's beyond like, yes, like yes, it's even comfort. worse than just discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And I had a little bit of a heart attack. I there, think that, good to see I think not. that you could show those tweets to all Cubs fans and it would be a good litmus test of if you're a glass half full person or a glass half empty person. Person. Like, what how did you read? Reaction? Oh, my, are you kidding? Mine was the same as yours. Beyond oh, wow. discomfort, like, you know, how much pain is he in? Like, that That was my Just first take reaction. my hamstring, Willie. Yeah, that was my first reaction to that. But what was meant by Theo was he is beyond the discomfort phase of the injury and now focusing on building back up to major league baseball strength and and playing every day and that whole thing. So no specific timeline there, but good news on Wilson and everything seems to sound like it is progressing normally and with the, you know, approximate timeline that we were given, which was, I think, what, about four to six weeks, something along those lines? Yeah, about so four weeks. Sounds yeah. like that is uh, about right. I'm sure they're not going to rush that. I'm sure Wilson would love to rush that, knowing him. Uh, I'm sure he would have been on the field the next day, and if he had to cut one of his legs off, he would have. That's just you would. the kind of guy that he, he is. But uh, I think the team is going to be uh, careful and patient and get him back when he is at full strength. But this all goes to 
the larger point, Brendan, and and that is that there is a lot of talent still to rejoin this team. There is a lot of talent that still has uh, some building back up to do. Obviously, that outing on Friday where they blow the game, Brandon Kinsler, that's his first time back out there. Uh, So he's obviously, you know, needs to be given some time perhaps to build back up, get that strength back, get that comfort back. Craig Kimbrell in the same boat. Pedro Strope still working back from that injury. A good outing on Sunday night, and then the guys that I mentioned. So a lot of talent still to come with this team. And again, I think that's part of that same attitude that, look, there were parts of this road trip that are so mind-numbingly annoying, right? But this team has the talent, and it's just about putting it together. And I think we said this when we ended that last podcast, that the key here is you've got a month and a half left, you are tied in the division, don't worry about what happened, right? And that's why we're not really talking about that game on Friday. They won the next two games. They won the series. They're coming back home. There's no point in dwelling on it. We can dwell on the bullpen decisions. We can dwell on them blowing two straight games where they had a lead in the ninth inning. But what is the point? They've got a month and a half. The division is tied. Get it together. Tighten it up and go win the division. Get yourself in the playoffs and get these these hot players into the playoffs and try to capitalize at the right time. But Brendan, I, I have to read this tweet that came from the Iowa Cubs game day on Saturday, I believe, because it, it just is, we've used the word surreal, I think, a lot at times on the Cubs-related podcast. And this tweet is a really weird one. And like, if I showed this to you in February. I have no idea what what your reaction to it would be, but I, I will read it verbatim. Quote, Ben Zobrist rips a double to score Albert Almora and get Iowa on the board. Daniel Descalso follows with a homer to put Iowa up three to nothing in the first inning with nobody out. Brendan, what bizarro universe did that tweet come from? It's like the uh, upside down world for all your Stranger Thing fans out there. Uh, that it's that just was called bizarre, the upside Corey. down. But oh, that's is that fun. what it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought. Are you sure about that? Whatever. Regardless, still uh, bizarre, Corey and I, <laughs> Daniel Descalso, homer not only in that game but in the following game as well. Two games in a row, home runs, Daniel Descalso. So that means you know at some point, Corey, it's going to happen. We're going to see Descalso bat in the top five again before the season's over. I would bet money on it. You know, Joe loves the veteran presence in that lineup. I guarantee you, in the next, what is this now, six weeks, Descalso will be batting in the top five. I would put money on it, Corey. I don't even want to entertain that. But <laughs> look, he, he got obviously got derailed with that ankle injury and, you know, the, the timing of his performance just cratering is too too on the nose for that to simply be coincidence. And I I think the biggest issue that we had with him, and again, I've admitted this, someone who I probably was harder on than anybody ever on this podcast and Daniel Descalso, the issue was the performance did not warrant the playing time or the roster spot. I don't think I ever said it had anything to do with anything in particular or that he was done forever as a, as a player, just that this is not working right now and you got to stop, right? So <laughs> yeah. I hope he's able to get healthy and get back to the way that he was playing at the beginning of the season. For the first month or a little over that, we were thinking that that was a, a nice little signing for, for little money and he was coming in with that veteran presence that the guys have talked about in the clubhouse a lot and he was providing something from an offensive perspective. So hopefully he's able to do that. And I guess we just have to pray that Joe has figured out that it's got to be a limited usage thing, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Since we are here, right, did you have any strong opinions on Albert Almora getting sent down and Russell being brought back up? I will tell you that I was at a coffee shop doing some work when I read those tweets. (laughs) And I kid you not, I was literally sitting like jaw dropped for five to ten minutes. I, I Look, I, you, nobody is as familiar with Albert Amora's struggles as I think you or I, Brendan. We've talked about it plenty, but just still reading that they had sent him down, I was like, what? I, I mean, I sent a message to the Cubs Insider text group that we have that was just like, I, I can't believe this. Like, I, this is a crazy thing to be reading, even though it, it, you know, it was not at all surprising. I I, I am surprised, yes. And I, but in terms of do I have a strong opinion on it, I would if this were June, but we're two weeks away, not even, 
from rosters expanding. So despite Almora being sent down, this is more of a short-term thing. And with Javi Baez going through illnesses, we saw the consequences of that in that last game in Philadelphia where you have Ian Happ right. playing second base and David Bodie playing shortstop. So you have no one else, Corey, that can play shortstop besides Javi Baez. And David Bodie is fine as like maybe your third option out there. And I still think in in more of a longer-term exposure, he would be a fine backup shortstop. But the fact that he has not played there consistently ever in his major league career suggests you need someone with more experience out there. So with Russell coming up, it's for two weeks. Javi Baez's health at the time was uncertain. And with Hap now on the roster, he's better suited for center field. And so you, you take away Hap's or rather Almora's utility just because you have Ian Happ on the roster. So I I understand the move. I don't think it's because Russell was doing so much better in Iowa. He was sent down to, at least with Theo and, and, and Joe Madison, was to regain his focus, get consistent playing time, whatever th- that even means. I don't think Russell's promotion, quote promotion, was due to his success in Iowa. Rather, it was due to a necessity because of this lack of positional depth the Cubs currently have. So my opinion is not strong. I understand it. I think I prefer it right now, just given the way the roster is constructed. And in two weeks, it will be on this discussion point, just because uh, Amora will be back and Zobrist will be back. And the Cubs will suddenly have depth if these guys do regain their production level. So that's where that's where I am with it. I think for two weeks, yeah, I rather prefer Russell right now. I, I hate his bat right now. But at the very least, you know, in late game situations, you put him at second base. And as long as he doesn't make these stupid decisions like he did in Pittsburgh a few months ago or a few weeks ago, you know, going home with the infield in uh, or with the infield back, he's more than capable, as we know, as a defensive replacement. And one that I think for me absolutely gives you more comfort than having David Bodie as your shortstop, Corey. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I do wish that the the stint for Russell had been longer. So do I. I think, but at this point, I, I, like we need, we yeah. need depth. That's what we need. Right. Because I, I, I just think that when someone is sent down for missing signs and making poor plays like that, I, I think it, you know, a short stint like this, I, I worry that that doesn't really hold them accountable for, for those things because uh, that stuff was unacceptable. And amongst a lot of things that Russell has done that are unacceptable. But when you send somebody down specifically for those things, and we're talking about the base running in particular in this instance, I I don't know that a few weeks in Iowa is really going to get that message across. Like, hey, we're a big league team competing for a pennant. You need to know the signs for a team that you've been a part of for five years. So that the, the the one thing, but you're right. It's it's totally out of necessity. This was the problem that we brought up early in the off season. That uh, it, you know, even if you tendered Russell a contract, you didn't have any depth beyond him. So this is really the only choice that they have. I mean, this is literally kind of uh, they're they're really not left with many options when beyond Javi Baez, you do not have a major league caliber shortstop on your roster. So. This is not a surprise to see Russell back. I think we all assumed that he would be back once rosters expanded. Anyway, uh, with Almora, it's interesting. I, I I don't really know what to make of it. I, I think obviously we've talked a ton about his offensive struggles, some weird defense from him also over the last few weeks, just some misplays in some of these games, yeah. uh, and I think especially on plays that we've kind of become accustomed to him making with a, a little more ease. Um, the the question I have though, Brendan, is. A, not much, like you said, you're, you're close to rosters expanding. There's not much time left in these minor league seasons. So he's not going to be able to make really any significant adjustments at the plate. Uh, you know, you maybe want him to perform, get back to performing better against left-handed pitching, but how many opportunities is he even going to have before 
Iowa's not even playing games anymore, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure that he can make significant adjustments in this time. And I do have trouble reconciling, as I'm sure you do, Brendan, prior to the move, he was supposed to be leading off, uh, like the day <laughs> he was hours before sent, he was down. sent down. Yeah, the, yeah. Or the day before. What is that? Right? So yeah. I'm not really sure what anybody is supposed to <laughs> to think about that, frankly, because if I'm Albert, I'm thinking, man, they had me, you know, they were going to have me lead off uh, that day in Philly, uh, but Javi ends up getting sick, and what that had to do with Albert not hitting leadoff, I'm still not sure. But then, like, two days later, I'm in the minors. Like, okay, uh, that's interesting. And from, like, Joe's perspective, and Jed Hoyer was on the radio talking about Elmora leading off, uh, again, prior to Javi getting sick, so the front office seems to know about this. They aren't you know, they weren't stepping in, I, I guess, un, uh, until that point. Uh, so, you know, the only question I have is, like, why are we hitting somebody at leadoff that was in the discussion to be sent down? I, I just am not sure it makes no how sense. that all lines up. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, again, like, they made the move. This was on Friday. We don't really have to belabor this, but it's just a question I c- couldn't help but asking. Like, I, it just seems kind of unorthodox, I guess. Like, this guy was good enough to get the most played appearances in a game 24 hours ago, but now we don't need him on the team at all. Just interesting. Just, uh, you know, I'm stuff you. to try to figure out, I guess, in this in this puzzle that is the 2019 Chicago Cubs. But just to wrap it all up, I think those are all the updates. I think I covered everybody that's uh, nearing comeback. Brandon Morrow, still somewhere, I guess. Still uh, alive, we think. Yeah, again, they claim that he's alive. The front office claims he's alive. I haven't seen him, but I, he's still there. Apparently. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not, I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic as to what exactly is going on there, but it is what it is. But again, Brendan, before we, we get into this next preview here, I, I, I think that this is what you're hoping for if you are looking at this team, right? Like we have all, we have talked about the, the, the flaws that this team has had, throughout the year. We have talked about the inconsistencies that this team has had throughout the year, but we we know that the talent level is there. We know that this rotation, one through five, has a lot of high-level talent. They have elite-level talent in some of those arms, and they have all performed in big moments throughout their career. You have a lineup that has a just a, a ton of potential, a ton of talent, so many guys who are performing at career best or near career best levels, and, and a few guys who are near the top of the league in terms of their overall performance. The bullpen is all over the place, but guys are stepping up, guys are getting healthy, and I think when you look at this, Brendan, and you say, okay, it is August 19th, if you're listening to this on Monday, the Cubs off day, they are tied with the St. Louis Cardinals, the division, and a trip to the NLDS, presumably, unless something wacky happens here, against the Atlanta Braves is right there. It's on a silver platter. So here's what we need to do, Brendan. Get Wilson Contreras back. Get him healthy. Craig Kimbrell is back. Keep getting him out there. Get him looking like the Hall of Fame closer, one of the best closers in Major League Baseball that he is. Get Ben Zobris back on his team. Get his consistent bat in there as often as you can, as often as his performance dictates, but get that man in this clubhouse. This clubhouse needs him, all right? And get these other guys going. Rizzo's got that power stroke back. Jason Hayward's in the middle of his best offensive season as a Cub. Chris Bryant is doing his thing. Just get this thing clicking. Get Steve Ciszek back eventually and just put it all together here in this last month and a half, and it, it won't matter to any of us how bad this Cubs team was on the road for this period uh, from May 19th to uh, August 19th when, when they last won a series and then won a series <laughs> again on the road. And I don't think any of us are going to care about how inconsistent this team was. I, I, I This whole time, you and I, Brendan, have both been saying that we genuinely believe that the team is better than they have been over the last few months and better than being in such a tight race in this NL Central. And it won't matter if they showed it to us in the first few months of this season, but it would certainly matter if they showed it to us at the end of August 
through September and into October. And I think that that is very, very possible. And you watch games like Thursday and Friday, those two back-to-back gut-wrenching losses, and I, trust me, like all of you, and Brendan was in the same place, ready to punch a hole in a concrete wall. <laughs> I, like, luckily, right now, I, I'm staying at a, at a friend's place, so I, I have the ability to control myself, knowing that it's not my wall that I would be punching through, but I wanted to. I wanted to so badly. Uh, but this team has the talent, they have the players, they have the experience, they have everything that they need to compete at that high level. And I, I really think that it's it's possible we see it, Brendan, and they're, they're going to have to continue playing like they did this weekend for the most part on the road as we go forward here. Obviously, one series against the Pirates doesn't absolve all of those road struggles, but I, I think it's easy to see a scenario where you get these guys healthy, you bring some of these guys back into the fold. I, I, I do think it is easy to see a scenario where things really click mm-hmm very conveniently at the right time for the Chicago Cubs team. Well, it did too for last year's Dodger team, which they came back from that World Series hangover. They won, what, 92 games? And they had it clicking come to playoff time. They got Kershaw back healthy, not to go and relitigate what the Dodgers did. But teams who have talent but are injury-riddled or have weird, random performances from these guys, they can get it together. And I I think when you watch them lose against the Phillies— and against the Pirates in the first game of the series, it does make you question those realities. But when you see them play like this, it gives you reasons why you're so perplexed when they do lose like that. So I do, yeah, I do. I think it is within the realm of possibility for them to come back out there, get healthy, get Zobris back, get Wilson back, and have them clicking all at one time. Is it likely? I don't know. Do I think it's possible? Absolutely. All right, so with that said, let's preview this upcoming series against the San Francisco Giants at Wrigley Field. So some home cooking. Hopefully the Cubs continue their good performances at Wrigley. The first game is on Tuesday at 7.05 p.m. Central Time after an off day on Monday, a well-deserved off day. That game has Tyler Bede starting for San Francisco. On the year, Bede is 3-7 with a 5.77 ERA. He'll be facing Cole Hamels for the Cubs, who's 6-4 with a nice 3.69 ERA. You can get tickets to that game and for the rest of the series through SeatGeek. You guys know SeatGeek is one of our sponsors. I use SeatGeek all the time. And do you ever feel like getting tickets is getting really difficult? Well, it's as if these other sites are so big, they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and they don't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? SeatGeek cares. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It's just simply put, a better process. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive, very easy-to-use seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the deals. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots mean overpriced deals. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. You guys know I use SeatGeek for all my baseball tickets. I bought tickets to Wrigley Field next weekend against the Washington Nationals. Bought around eight tickets. Again, forwarded them off to my family within five minutes. Got on my phone. Five minutes. Eight tickets bought. Sent off. Easy as that. Best of all, our listeners, you guys, get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay. So after that first game, on Wednesday, the Cubs have another night game, 7.05 p.m. Central. Derek Rodriguez for the Giants takes the mound. Son of Hall of Famer Pudge Rodriguez this year, Derek Rodriguez is 5-6 with a 4.79 ERA. We'll be facing Hugh Darvish, who is 4-6 with a 4.21 ERA. To finish off the three-game set on Thursday, a day game, a 1.20 p.m. start time. Former Cub Jeff Samarja on the mound, who's having a pretty good year, 9-9 with a 3.54 ERA. Using more of that cutter, so look for that. Opposing Samarja is Kyle Hendricks, who is 8-9 with a 3.37 ERA. The Giants on the year are 63-62. Still in that wildcard hunt, the Cubs on the year are 66-58. 
They are tied with the Cardinals in first place and two games ahead of Milwaukee in first place, who they are in second place. So, Corey, what I'm looking for this series is seeing more consistency in that offense, looking at how uh, Kimbrough looks at Wrigley Field. Some of that data will come back out since they're back in a major league ballpark. Seeing Pedro Strope maybe get more of a chance in those late inning leverages and seeing Brandon Kinsler rebound and getting more consistent playing time after dealing with that pec injury. So my thing is, simply put, how healthy is that bullpen? Can they produce? And can the offense continue from top to bottom be productive? So those are the two things I'm looking for this series. It's all about taking care of business, Brendan. I will be back in Section 216 doing my job, doing my duty for the Chicago Cubs team, and that is taking care of business at Wrigley Field. And uh, we are 5-1 and one on the year so far when I'm there, and I, I hope to continue that trend. I, I think a, a winning percentage around that area is just fine, and let's let's just keep doing that. But it, it, it really goes back to, again, they, they win this final series on the road against the Pirates, but when you don't perform on the road for whatever the reason is, fluky, luck, just random sequencing, whatever it is, right, you have to, you have to do the job at home then. That, that is the position that yeah. you have put yourself in, and you, you just don't leave yourself with any other option. You're, you're not performing on the road. You need to do it at home. That, that's, that's the deal. So as we've said a number of times, you're looking at a very small sample now, and that's why the reaction is so strong when they blow games like Friday in Pittsburgh and Thursday against the Phillies in the Bryce Harper game. The reason that people react so strongly is because none of this is guaranteed guaranteed. The, the Cubs getting in the playoffs isn't a guarantee. There's other teams in this league, as crazy of a thought as this is, right? There are other Major League Baseball teams that would like to make the playoffs instead of the Cubs and in place of the Cubs. So when you play this close to other teams, it, it's always weird to me, you know, when, when you uh, freak out after a loss or things like that. Like the, and, and usually I'm, I'm in this group, right? But, but there's always just the like, you know, calm down, they'll be fine. You know, you're overreacting. And there, there are times where it's not an overreaction, right? There are times where it's like, look, like this isn't just going to work out because we want it to work out. Uh, every game matters. Every game that you throw away that you should be winning can pay dividends when you're in a division that's this close and the wild card race is this close that you're a part of. Uh, and it includes so many teams. So it's it's unlike other years in 2016 at the All-Star break, right? Like I, I remember being on this podcast and saying, don't worry about this bad stretch. They'll be fine. They'll come back out of the second half and they'll come back and win the World Series. Don't worry about it. It's a blip on the radar of a team that has otherwise been unbelievable, right? But this is a different situation. This is very tight. The margin for error is very, very small. And that is why the reaction to those games is so strong. Those are games that you should win. Those are games that you have in the bag. And to give them away is a big deal in a situation like this. So when you get back home, you got to make up for that. And and you got to win these games. You got to win these games against teams that you're better than and the teams that you should be beating. So it's, you know, it's it's put up or shut up time now, right? Like we're we're only talking about like 40 days left in this season. Crazy season flew by. Right. Again, like the, the, the reason that I think the passion is so strong for some of these blown games and the games where the offense doesn't show up, whatever it is, is because even if you play your best, right, we just saw this happen. The Cubs played well to end the 2018 season, but Milwaukee was out of their mind. And that is the risk that you take when things are this close heading toward the end of the season right? And so that is why the, the scrutiny is so high and, and why the the narratives around this team get ratcheted up when, when you have road trips uh, like they did prior to these last couple games in Pittsburgh. It's because the margin for error is very, very small. There are a lot of teams in competition for the few playoff spots that the Cubs may be able to occupy. So it's all about Tate. You're, you're back home. You won a nice series on the road. You got to ride that momentum. And like I said uh, just a few moments ago, you've got a lot of got a lot of backups. You, you've got a lot of support that is either already rejoined the team and, and getting back up to speed, or that is getting close to rejoining this team. So all of the pieces 
are on the board for this team to get hot and put it together at the right time, it's it's just about them doing it. So it, it starts with this series here in Pittsburgh. They finish it off on a great note. Let's ride this wave back at Wrigley Field. This team has been incredible at Wrigley Field in 2019, and now is a really good time to keep that up. So like I said, I, I, I will be there. I'm not looking for anything in particular. I think that we've seen uh, you know, a lot of really good performances from these guys, uh, the, the guys pitching in, in this series in particular. It's it's all about just putting it together and getting the job done. So I'm not looking for any any player in particular uh, to, to do anything or be anything, just about this team coming together and playing better baseball for this last month and a half. But other than that, I think that's all we have for you. It was really nice, you guys, to recap a series on the road that they didn't lose. Uh, and especially <laughs> after that game on Friday, I was getting ready for this podcast to be all sorts of, of, of interesting and, and very different uh, from what it ended up being. So luckily, we were able to enjoy the boys out in Williamsport, having a little fun, letting their inner child out and, and enjoy those clips from Rizzo as he was mic'd up rather than, uh, you know, bashing our head into a brick wall or whatever we would have been doing had it continued like that game on Friday. But it didn't. And we will be back with you after the Cubs finish up with the Giants and hopefully start this homestand on a good note. As always, we appreciate your listenership, your commentary on social media, your feedback and five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast Store. However you are interacting with the Cubs-related podcast, we appreciate it. And we will be here uh, all throughout the year and the off-season. We'll be here forever, Brendan. But other than that, I I think that's all that we have for you for this particular episode of the Cubs-related podcast. Again, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you after the Cubs finish up the beginning of this homestand with the Giants. As always, go Cubs. Get grill ready with Walmart. Find all your faves like Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. Then don't miss your chance to win thousands of hot summer prizes with the Seize the Summer sweeps. There's camping kits, backyard movie packages, gift cards, and more. Summer is what you make it. So get out, get grilling, and get winning with Walmart. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 United States, including D.C., 18 and older, or 19 for residents of Alabama and Nebraska. Void where prohibited. Promotion ends 731-2020. For official rules and complete details, visit www.seizethesizzle.com. Sponsor Kraft Heinz Foods Company. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.